Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Unfair with your favorite co-host, Jimmy. You could have been doing anything else in the world, but you chose to listen to us, and we appreciate that. It's Solo Weekend, so I will take the wheel myself to navigate you through the sports landscape of the hottest topics, late-breaking news, things that make no sense, and a few things that might surprise you. And as always, you can catch us on WMQG Radio, Tuesdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern. My Solo Weekend episode is sponsored by Clutch Culture and Life, there are moments when you are needed the most, and Clutch Culture is aspiring to bring you just that. With hats and t-shirts available to remind folks who's clutch and who isn't, bring that culture into your lifestyle by checking out their website, www.clutch-culture.com. So good to have y'all in today. As always, we appreciate the love and support here on Unfair where we aim to give you the latest and greatest in sports news in an entertaining, pensive, and engaging way. So one could say that it has definitely been a tale of two Brooklyns this week. It's been the best of times and it's been the worst of times for that franchise. And at the beginning of the week, it was the worst of times where star point guard Kyrie Irving had not yet made it back to the court. He had been out since January the 5th, the last time he played an actual game due to personal reasons, leading many to speculate what was going on with Kyrie in his mind and in his in his life. There were some people who were calling him a bad teammate because of this, saying that he should retire, saying that this is a symptom of the. I guess the culture of the NBA where stars are coddled and able to get away with things that other stars and other major uh, professional sports aren't able to do. Um, And it got even worse when he was filmed at what appeared to be a a birthday party of some sorts for one of his family members and seen not wearing a mask. Now, that aspect in particular, when I saw that, given how Kyrie tends to subscribe to alternative thoughts, such as the earth being flat, as an example, I thought to myself, okay, hopefully he's not doing this a blatant disregard for wearing a mask inside of a room with more than 15 people, which he knows he's not supposed to do per what his employer told him that he could not do the NBA. Hopefully this isn't him saying that he doesn't believe that the coronavirus is a hoax or is as serious as people are making it out to be. I mean, I have to question that because the man said the earth was flat. So hopefully it's not that, but the NBA did take note of that. There was video that was widely circulated earlier in the week and it's going to cost him $50,000 for violating the league's protocol for being in an indoor event with more than 15 people and without wearing a mask. So when Jay and I were talking about this, we were actually talking about this before our last show. And I said to Jay that what I think is going on with Kyrie Irving 
is I think that he's trying to decide whether or not he still wants to play basketball, at least for this season, not necessarily retire, but play basketball, because we know that he has very strong opinions and interests in the social and political arena. And he's got a lot of community and philanthropic philanthropic pursuits off the court. So he's very active in that regard. So it appeared to me that part of what he's struggling with is whether or not it's worth it to play right now, whether or not his time and energy and attention needs to be elsewhere in terms of helping out the community and being involved in these socio-political pursuits. Um, there were rumors that part of what it affected him or caused him to not want to play on the court is what happened with the case of Jacob Blake <clears throat> with the officers not being charged. So, I mean, anybody can speculate over what was going on with Kyrie Irving. Nobody truly knows what him, but him and maybe those closest to him but that's how the week started with people wondering in Brooklyn Nation whether or not this man was going to play basketball anymore. So then after that, things pivoted quickly. The music stopped quickly. And that was because in the middle of the week, Wednesday, I believe, it was announced that the Brooklyn Nets had finally executed a trade, a four-team trade involving star guard for the Rockets, James Harden, bringing him to Brooklyn in exchange for Karis LeVert, and essentially four draft picks and four draft pick stocks, basically handing over the rights and the control of their draft for the next eight seasons to the Houston Rockets and Karis LeVert in exchange for James Harden. Now, the Cavs were involved in this as well as the Pacers, so some other players got exchanged, but that was the main piece right there. And we had known that James Harden had made it very clear before the season started that he wanted to be traded to Brooklyn, um, and there were questions as to whether or not that was going to be executed given that I guess Houston had not gotten the asking price that they had wanted in exchange for you know, an incredibly talented future Hall of Fame player with two-time scoring champ, one of two years in a row in James Harden. But they were able to execute that trade, bringing him to Brooklyn to pair with Kyrie Irving and LeBron James, giving them the first big three of this new era. And I talked about this several weeks ago on a previous show that what LeBron James and the Lakers winning the championship proved last season is that your big two is not good enough. Anytime you come against LeBron with a big two and he's got um, you know, a worthy and great player next to him, such as Anthony Davis, who many believe is the second best player in basketball behind LeBron James, he's always going to have more than you. So what you're going to have to do and what you're going to have to figure out, whoever gets there first, is how to get a big three before anybody else does in order to challenge LeBron James and the Lakers where you to meet them in the playoffs. And that's exactly what Brooklyn has done. Because when you look at these three great players, obviously you have Kyrie Irving, who I've called a magician with the basketball for all the criticism that I've levied against him over the past three seasons because he says and does a lot of things that I don't like and that I think can wreck a team. There's no question he is a magician with the basketball, the greatest dribbler I've ever seen. Kyrie Irving, what he'll do is, before you know what's happened, speaking of the defender, the ball will be in one place, he'll be in another place, and the defender will be caught in, the tween, in between not knowing which way to go. That's what he can do with his magic-like skills in that regard. So you have him, you bring in James Harden. James Harden is clearly unguardable. There is no way to guard James Harden. I was watching film on James Harden once a year or two ago, and what I found that he's able to do better than anybody I've ever seen is use micro-movements. What he'll do is he'll, I guess in a barely perceptible way, he'll move his body in one direction, and the defender registers that movement subconsciously, and then they react to that before they know that they're doing it. But by then, they're already out of position, and he's already blown by them, either for 
um, you know, for an easy shot in the lane or he gets fouled. He gets fouled more than anybody or a step back three. So James Harden is literally unguardable. That's a big part of the reason why he's won two straight scoring you know, championships. And then you have Kevin Durant, who I've said has no offensive weaknesses in his game. The only NBA player I've ever seen with no offensive weaknesses. If you called 1-800-STOP-KD, the phone would just ring and ring. Why? Because there's no answer. There is no answer for what Kevin Durant can do with the basketball. And he's so incredibly efficient. He doesn't need the basketball in his hands. He can score 30 points off of 12 shots. That's just how great he is. So you combine these three players together, and it's obvious they are going to be a force to be reckoned with, whether that's this season or next season or if they decide to stay together beyond that. But that's what this team is going to be capable of because of what we've seen with these three players and the skill sets that they possess. So right when this trade happened, what I heard a lot of people basically saying is that the Nets are going to win the championship. It's over. Everybody else might as well pick up their basketballs and go home because there is no way to defeat this team. And I think that that is completely false. Are they going to be a force to be reckoned with? Yes, I just said that. Do they have these three great Hall of Fame players? Yes, they do. Are they going to make noise in the Eastern Conference? Of course they are. But that does not guarantee a championship. And we've got a decent amount of data over the last three to four to five big threes that we've seen that show you that they initially start out that first season with a lot of problems. Why? Because when you combine all of that God-given talent on one team, it is not easy for it to mesh together, especially if each of the three are used to being the guy, are used to being the alpha in terms of being the one who dominates the basketball and scores the majority of the points for their team. So each of these players have been that in their last stop especially. So getting that to work together is not going to be easy. So when I looked at this team, I identified six issues. You can even call them six problems that this team is going to have to figure out and overcome quickly if they are going to compete for a championship this season. So I ranked them from, I guess, the least important to the most important issues that I see with this team that could hinder them, starting with the six. Number six, chemistry off the court. Just because Kevin Durant is really good friends with both James Harden and Kyrie Irving doesn't mean that Harden and Irving are going to get along with each other off the court or on the court. More on that later. So what KD has to be, in a sense, is he's got to be the fulcrum. He's got to be the one to balance the chemistry with this team. And I don't know if he can do that. I really don't because Kevin Durant, (laughs) you never know exactly what he's thinking, how he's going to respond, or if he even has any leadership. More on that later, too. But the chemistry off the court affects what happens on the court so how do we know that the chemistry of this team off the court now that it's been completely remade especially with the other players that they jettisoned from the roster how do we know that all that is going to work together how how do we know that after 50 games these people aren't going to hate each other so that's questionable to me that chemistry off the court number five is can Kyrie Irving be trusted because as I said earlier he hasn't played a game since January 5th that was 10 days ago and again everybody's been respectful of his privacy in that you know he's got some things in his personal life that he clearly needs to work out but how can this team trust that he won't need to step away from the team in a crucial point in the season whether that's fighting for playoff seeding or whether that's actually in the playoffs I mean who knows what he's thinking from day to day who knows if he's going to go from burning sage on the court one day to just being MIA the next for the next 10 to 15 days. So to me, that's questionable with Kyrie Irving, with where he is mentally and what his actions are going to be. He's very mercurial in that sense. Number four, who's the third option on this team? Because clearly there's only one basketball and you have three great scores 
and two of which are used to dominating the ball in Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Like I said earlier, Kevin Durant is very efficient. He can play off the ball because he did that in Golden State with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. But who's going to be the third option? Because on this team, you're going to have to have a Batman, and we're going to have to know who that is. They're going to have to know clearly who that is. Then one of them is going to have to be Robin. We're going to have to know clearly who that is. And then one of them is going to have to be, as Shannon Sharp said, Alfred the Butler. So which of them is going to be the third option who's going to be fine with averaging only 18 to 20 points instead of 26 to 27 to 30 points? I don't think it's going to be Kevin Durant. So to me, it's going to be out of Kyrie Irving and James Harden as to who that's going to be. And that's important because that helps to clearly define who the, you know, what, who fulfills what role. And especially when it's crunch time, who is more likely to get the ball and get the shot off? So who's going to be the third option? They don't know that. Number three, bench depth. Now you already have your backup point guard who could start for a lot of teams, Spencer Dinwiddie, who's hurt with a partial ACL tear. They don't know if they're going to get him back this regular season or not. And as part of this deal for James Harden, they had to move Karis LeVert, who to me was a fantastic scorer off the bench. Um, I believe it's Jared Allen, who to me was their best defender in the paint, rebounder, shot blocker, very athletic, very energetic young guy. They, you know, they had to let him go. He's in Cleveland now. And Torrey and Prince, someone who people don't even know is probably on the team. I forgot that he was, but he's a really good wing defender. That's what's kept him in the league these last few years because he's not a great scorer. So you sacrifice all that bench depth in order to get James Harden. So what happens if one of your stars goes down? Or what happens when they need a rest and you need a bench to hold the lead? And you don't have that because you have a bunch of guys put together who don't equal what you got rid of in Karis LeVert and Jared Allen and Torian Prince. So to me, bench depth is a problem. I've not seen a team have to lose this much off the bench in order to build their big three. So to me, that's highly questionable. Number two, defensive liabilities. Now, James Harden, what people will say is, oh, he led the league in steals a year ago. Okay. That's been the only time James Harden has ever cared about defense for whatever reason was last season. So he's been in this league close to 10 years. So to only get one good defensive season out of him, I'm sorry, that makes me, that would make me nervous if I'm in the Brooklyn organization. Kyrie Irving, defense is not his thing. Dominating the ball, being a magician, passing, shooting threes. He's clutch. That's his game, but he's not a very good defender either. And like I said, they got rid of two of their best defensive players in Jared Allen and Torian Prince. So if you look at the history of the big threes, if you look at, the big three Celtics with Kevin Garnett, if you look at the big three and the big four that the Golden State Warriors had, and if you look at every big three that LeBron has had in Miami and Cleveland, all of those teams were top ten in defense, most of them top five in defense, and that's part of what helped them to establish their dominance. It wasn't – they didn't have to – well, I guess you can say the reason why they outscored people so much is because other people had trouble scoring against them. So this team, Brooklyn, they have a lot of defensive liabilities that are going to get in the way of them being able to dominate like people are saying that they're going to. And then number one, to me, the most important issue is simple leadership. All these these three, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, all of them in some way, shape or form are weird. All of them in some way, shape or form have shown to be immature at times. And all three in some way, shape or form have been shown to be too sensitive So amongst these three, who's the leader going to be? Because that's something that every team has to have. That's something that every player on the team who's not a leader has to be willing to subject themselves to in the sense of being willing to follow the leader and go where they lead the team, where they lead the future of the franchise. So these three individuals, especially with the strong personalities that they have, honestly, with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, who's going to be the leader? 
you know, and that kind of gets back to the number six issue of chemistry off the court. If there's a leadership problem in that locker room, that's going to affect chemistry off the court, which will then affect how they play together on the court. It's really hard. It's really hard to play with players that you don't like or to play with players where there's no defined leadership on the team. So no one knows exactly who's going to be the leader of this team. And Steve Nash can't bail him out because Kyrie Irving already basically said that either he or Kevin Durant could coach the team on certain nights if they wanted to. And, and by the way in which Kyrie Irving handled his absence by not telling his coach initially what was going on or that he was going to be that he wasn't going to be playing, that shows you that he really has little respect for Steve Nash. Hell, he played against him. So how much respect could he have, honestly? So all those things are are going to be issues to me for this team. The chemistry whether or not Kyrie Irving can be trusted, who's going to be the third option, their bench depth, their defensive liabilities, and their leadership. These are all questions that have to be answered. So before we can crown them as the champions for the next four seasons, let's first see how they're able to handle each of those issues. And that, in effect, will determine just how great or not great this big three actually will be. And with that, let's go into the news. And now, Jimmy has the news. Uh, Thank you, Wendy. All right, so in the NFL, the coaching hires have really begun this week with the Jacksonville Jaguars agreeing to hire Urban Meyer, former Ohio State coach, as their next head coach. You had Robert Selah, defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, agreeing to become the head coach of the New York Jets. And you had former... Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith agreeing to become the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. So between the three of these new hires, if I ask myself who the biggest winner of all this is, I will say right now it is Eric Bieniemy. Now, why am I saying that? No, he's not amongst those who have been hired quite yet. But I say it's Eric Bieniemy because the L.A. Chargers job, to me, the best job of the six to seven that were available is still open. And, you know, I was telling this to Jay, like with the L.A. Chargers, I mean, that's a fantastic spot for a quarterback. For one, you have the L.A. market, which is going to help you to attract free agents. The weather is always beautiful. You have young quarterback, was he 22 years old, Justin Herbert, and those offensive pieces around him who are going to be good for a really long time. And you have Joey Bosa and Derwin James, if he could just stay healthy, to lead that defense. So you already have players on both sides. And for Eric Bieniemy, he knows his team well because they're in division. And this team always plays the Kansas City Chiefs tough, or this version of the Kansas City Chiefs. They almost always play them tough. So they have what it takes to compete against them. So if I'm Eric Bieniemy, that's the job that I'm trying to get a first and second interview for. So as long as that job isn't filled, I'm perfectly content. But if it is, then I'm probably looking at Houston as the next best available job. Switching over to the NBA, they still continue to have more issues with the coronavirus as today was announced that six Washington Wizards have tested positive and three are in the um, coronavirus protocol as well. I don't believe that Washington has even played a game this week and it's questionable as to when the next time they will be able to take the court with an adequate amount of players, hopefully soon. And it was also uh, announced uh, on social media that Carl Anthony Towns, the star big man, for the Minnesota Timberwolves has also tested positive with coronavirus as well. And we all know that, you know, what the Carl Anthony Towns and his family, what they've been through this year with him losing his mother and another close family member to COVID as well. So that family sadly knows all too well just how horrible this virus is and can be. So thoughts and prayers go out to all those players 
who are struggling to who are coming back from COVID. No, we pray that they stay healthy. We pray that the symptoms are minimal to none and that the NBA, which has kind of seen a bit of a wouldn't call it an outbreak yet, but just it's popping up in different teams. And we kind of knew that it would as the season went on. That's just how it is. And that's how it's been with other with the other major American sports. So I wish the best for all of them. And to that point, uh, the NBA is actually going to be moving towards expanding the rosters in order to give teams more players to be able to have enough to play games should they have multiple players go down with the coronavirus. Uh, The details of this still have to be worked out by the NBA and the NBPA, but I think that'll be done soon. And this is something that Jay talked about as far as being able to expand the rosters or include the G League players who haven't even played the season yet and giving them sort of the two-way ability to play both with the team if they're needed and be on their roster technically as well as still play with their G League team if the season does continue like the NBA said it would in February uh, in a bubble. So I think it only makes sense to open more roster spots because of COVID, and that will help them to decrease the amount of postponed games that they're going to have, which these are going to add up, and it's going to make it difficult for the NBA in the second half of the season to keep stacking these postponed games from the first half if they have to continue to do that. So I think that this is a good way, expanding the rosters, to help to prevent against that. And we hope that they do. And with that. And that was Jimmy with the news. Thank you, Bob. So switching gears to the NFL, you have your divisional round games this week starting on Saturday. You have the L.A. Rams going to the Green Bay Packers. And later on that evening, you have the Baltimore Ravens going to Buffalo to face the Bills, which should be a fantastic game. Honestly, Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen. And then on Sunday, uh, the first game you have are the Cleveland Browns headed to Kansas City to take on the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs. So that should be a really good game as well. Hopefully Cleveland can make it competitive, and it'll be interesting to see what Kansas City looks like after a three-week layoff, essentially, for the majority of their best players. And then at night, the nightcap, Sunday night, prime time, you have two legendary Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, facing off in New Orleans when the Bucks take on the Saints. So that's the primetime game for the reason, Brady versus Brees, um, because this is perhaps going to be the last time that we see this. And that's the reason why they gave him the primetime slot, of course, because this could be a historic and legendary game. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Um, and that's a big part of the reason why they're in this spot. So this will actually be the first time that these two have met in the playoffs, which is interesting. You would think that the NFL would have done their best to arrange more meetings between these two, these two quarterbacks who have defined, in a way, the quarterback position over the last 15 years, it feels like. I mean, these two, Brady and Breeze, own the two top spots in most passing yards, most completions and touchdown passes. I mean, three of the most coveted quarterback records in the history of the NFL. Obviously, Brady is the most winning quarterback since he has six championships. But head to head, Breeze is actually ahead of him five to two. And that's where I land on this is with Drew Breeze. I think this matchup is all about Drew Breeze. That is who needs this the most because we know Brady. We know he's got the championship edge, as I just said. And Breeze is running out of real estate when it comes to challenging Brady as either the best quarterback of all time or someone who's who could challenge Brady for that mantle neck and neck. 
Um, this is his last attempt to do that. This is his last attempt to argue that he is a superior quarterback. And all these quarterbacks, I mean, don't think for a second. I mean, they might say the right things on television, but they all have huge egos. That's a big part of the reason why they've been able to become the players that they are. Is they all believe that they're the best, and they have to approach the game that way. So Breeze believes he's the best quarterback between he and Brady if they went toe-to-toe. So if he beats Tom Brady and, in a sense, beats them in their only playoff matchup and wins the head-to-head matchup between the two, six to 2 then he can stake his claim more as someone whose name should come up when it comes to the greatest quarterbacks of all time or a quarterback who was equal to Brady um, outside of the championship circumstances, we'll say. Because here's what Drew Brees is going to say. If he beats Tom Brady in this matchup, and this would be the first and only season that they've been in the same conference and especially in the same division, then he can say about Brady, if Brady played in the same conference with me, He'd only have two, no more than three Super Bowls because because I would have taken three or four of those from him. He can say that by winning this game and by showing people that if I was in the AFC or if Brady was in the NFC all these years, instead of him being way on the other side of the NFL conference, then you know I would have been equal to him. He's lucky that he had a Bill Belichick. He's lucky that he played in such a weak division for almost two decades with the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Jets. And if I'd had that on my side, I would be the one with five or six Super Bowls. He would be the one with one. So that's what Drew Brees can say if he's able to defeat him. Because now, for perhaps one of the only times in their careers, they meet on equal terms with equally good teams with the same thing at stake, which is a right to play in the NFC Championship to be able to go to the Super Bowl were they to win that. So this is all about Drew Brees. This, he could put a stamp on his legacy if he beats Tom Brady in this game. And I think that if he beats Brady, whether or not he wins in the NFC Championship or goes to the Super Bowl and loses, whatever it is, I don't think that matters so much to him because he knows that obviously he's not going to be able to catch Brady's six rings. But if he can at least have glory on Sunday night by beating him and using that to say – if we had been able to have these kind of matchups in the playoffs this whole time, this last 15 to 20 years, you would not think Brady was the quarterback that he is. You would not think him superior to me. So that's what Drew Brees is playing for. Now, if Tom Brady wins, then it becomes all about him. Because then here's the trajectory that Tom Brady is on as he challenges for a record seventh ring. If he beats Drew Brees then most likely in the second round, well, the third round, the NFC Conference Championship, he's going to meet Aaron Rodgers, someone else who people would say physically is one of the greatest quarterbacks or the greatest quarterbacks, the greatest arm talent that we've ever seen. Then he would have to beat Aaron Rodgers. So then if he were to do that, most people believe he would then have to face the defending champion, Kansas City Chiefs, and Patrick Mahomes, someone else who people say is just hands down, physical talent, arm talent, accuracy, precision, being able to do the impossible is the greatest quarterback of all time, Patrick Mahomes. So if Tom Brady goes through Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes to win his seventh championship, then it ain't just going to be that he's the GOAT of the NFL, the greatest football player of all time, the, obviously the greatest quarterback of all time. But then he might be able to say he's the greatest athlete, the greatest professional athlete of all time with this win. And, I mean, even getting to the Super Bowl period would allow him to do something that's never been done before, which is a team playing the Super Bowl in their home stadium because it's in Tampa this year. So that's what Brady is playing for. So because of what Breeze is playing for and how that's going to shape his legacy and because of what Brady is playing for and how that's going to shape his legacy, both of these quarterbacks, they're going to play 
or attempt to play the best football they have ever played in their historic careers. So all that is going to be to the benefit of us because we're going to be able to sit there and witness a game that might be talked about for the ages. And that's what I'm hoping that it is. I'm hoping it's not a blowout. I want it to go toe-to-toe to the last possession. And then based upon who wins, that will decide and that will affect the legacies of not only that quarterback, but the quarterbacks who were their contemporaries. So that's what I'm excited to see. I know you're excited as well. So we will wrap this show up and we'll get more into the NFL playoffs and the NBA on our show early next week. So as always, we appreciate y'all listening to Unfair. Uh, shout outs to uh, Jay, always bringing the fire. Appreciate him. To Mike, Bob, and Wendy, the production team. We appreciate you as well. To all of our loyal listeners who support the show, who watch the video clips, who listen on whatever outlet you listen to the show in, we appreciate that as well. And especially if you suggest our show to someone in your life who you know loves sports, loves a good sports debate, or increasing their sports knowledge, and would like to use our opinions and our research for uh, their own, as well as to win the arguments in the barbershop. We are all for that. That's what we're here for. We encourage that. So with that, that has been Unfair. Please wear a mask. Please social distance. We appreciate you. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com Internet for details.